I, my heart was beating so fast, like I was flying into space right there. <gasps> Wait wow. a second. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that happens. But I have a question for you, Rudy. In okay. your job, yes. have you has have you or has someone said to you, "This is not rocket science"? Oh, I, yeah, we get that all the time. We <laughs> it's it's so it's so standard. <laughs> is Kim, it serious though, or is it a joke? No, is I mean, it a, like know, an I, ironic I, joke? Oh, you mean at work? Well, sometimes people yeah. go, "We can, we can." We can figure this out. Yeah, not often, but because we we hear it outside so much that yeah. it would just kind of okay, be beating a dead horse. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'd be kind <laughs> the of the horse is dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what, though, I'm very excited to talk to you, Rudy. Uh, you are legitimately a rocket scientist. Can we call you that? Yeah, yeah. Why am I like not owning it? Uh, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> listeners, I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today. We are here with the incomparable, amazing <laughs> rocket scientist, whether he wants to call himself that or not, I'm going to call him that, Rudy All Bomer right. of NASA's Jet <laughs> Propulsion Lab. Thank Ooh, you. Rudy, yeah, Rudy, Rudy. True. Yes. Now, what is your, like, someone says to you, what do you do for a living? What do you say? Like, if you just want to quickly get it done with, what do you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, besides, I uh, work for NASA. That's that's too easy. Um, what I really do, just really short and sweet, is that I fly spacecraft for a living. Um, so yeah. neat. <laughs> that's so cool. You had me at yeah. I work for NASA. I was like, if I worked for NASA, I'd say that all the time. I'd work it into like conversation even that no one asked me. <laughs> it's, I'd be at the grocery store. Is it? I work for I NASA. I found it hard to... <laughs> I find it strangely hard to own. Um, Why? And I think it's just, just because um, it's there's such a stereotype with it. Like it's like us and the brain surgeons, and mm. but at the same time, like when people get excited to like ask me questions, I want to encourage that and answer what I can. So um, I very much like that. Ooh, well, well we're gonna we put... have questions. Okay, for cool. You we... Today, Rudy, I'm, I'm keep... in the right place. You are in the, right, the place. right place. We are, folks. If you're listening in today, we are talking space, the final frontier. These are the. Just kidding. I'm not gonna do the whole <laughs> uh, starting quote of Star Trek Enterprise. That's crazy. However, I do have a very vivid memory of watching Star Trek but as a child, but I don't remember anything about it um, other than that opening quote and that opening uh, title credit sequence. It's so memorable, Captain Picard. Now, it's Rudy. It's iconic. At, yes. So you, I, it's so iconic. Now, we're going to have a million questions for you, but I quickly want to do a shout out because you worked on the Cassini project yes on my project sure um on cassini on cassini well cassini actually um is long finished um cassini finished in right 2017 that would be three years ago actually almost three years ago to the day well it'd be like in september three years ago since september is that we ran out of fuel and we ended our mission but our mission was that we were um the first orbiter around Saturn. We were in orbiter around Saturn and it's the Saturnian system. It's Saturn and its moons 
for 13 years. Um, I was there for a lot of it. And uh, um, we'd, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. The whole mission itself was, we launched in 1997. And that was a year before I got to the lab. I've been at the lab that long. And we got to Saturn in 2004. And we circled, uh, we orbited Saturn for 13 years. And we uh, made a lot of cool discoveries about, um, especially in particular, I did things where I'm involved with, um, were two moons in particular, which are super interesting, um, Titan and Enceladus. And Titan, we knew because of Voyager, the two Voyager spacecraft made flybys around Saturn. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Titan, it found this, well, we knew about the moon of Titan. Um, In fact, it was... uh, uh, they knew about since the 1600s, Galileo knew about the moon of Titan. Um, oh, Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Rag much Galileo. He's right. like, I knew hard, about this a flex. long time ago. Super hard flex Galileo. He's like, I knew this band before they were even, they had an EP. Stupid. Exactly. <laughs> and he pissed off the, uh, the Pope and the, the Pope tried to send him to jail for flexing on him. And, uh, and, <laughs> Can we please do a comedy where it's Galileo flexing and being like, duh, that is a moon of Saturn, you stupid. Like, oh my God, I just would love to, I would would love to see that movie. That is so exciting, Rudy. He he flexed on the Pope for a different reason. It was the whole sun being the center of the solar system business. But uh, yeah, that too, that too, that too. That too, yeah. Oh, oh, anyway, back to back to Titan. Titan, we knew was a giant orange blob. We we did not. We saw it was covered in haze, but we didn't see what was beyond the haze. And we knew it had an Mm. atmosphere. Um, An atmosphere is about as thick as Earth's, And we we didn't know it was beyond that. So it took Cassidy to get there. Um, Boy, like 20 years later, 20. Let's see. I should do the math on that. I want to say 79 to 2004, 25 years later uh, before we got back to. uh, before we got back to the Saturnian system and we got to actually take images of uh, Titan and um, see it was behind that haze. Um, we didn't know what to expect. We kind of had, well, no, I shouldn't say, because I remember people were, uh, I was I was in kind of the room where the scientists were kind of deciding what it was going to be, were thinking what it was going to be. And uh, wow, I think, I think that they were, they a lot of wrong guesses, um, which is kind of <laughs> cool because... <laughs> Meanwhile, Galileo's because, like, duh. <laughs> Yeah, we needed him. No, it's cool thing is that you you try to figure out what it is, and then you 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 um you do your experiments, and you get there, and uh, you learn the whole new things, and you just keep learning and learning. It's okay if you're wrong. Well, all I can say to all of that is, it's not rocket science, Rudy. Okay, okay actually, it is. Kind of it is. is rocket totally science, <laughs> but you know, it's not. <laughs> It's kind of weird. You need the I wish rockets. I could make a joke. No, you need the rockets to get to the science, if that makes sense. So it's like I so was totally joking. I was totally joking. It's one hundred percent rocket science. Uh, well, at least I'm as, sure there's rockets involved. As as Rudy said, you know about wrong versus like right. The nice thing about fictional crushes is there's never a wrong choice. There's never a wrong choice, and that is the perfect segue into us getting this show started. Gosh, 
Jeez. Do you guys remember that? Do you guys remember yes. that? Yes. Oh, no, you don't? The Muppets? No. Oh. <laughs> I was talking, Kim and I were talking about space earlier this week. We're obviously setting up for this podcast. And I got off the phone and all I could think of was pigs in space. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that in years. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the show. Oh, I love that it was your favorite part. I love that it was your favorite I, part. I hope that's not the reason I'm doing. I have the job today, but <laughs> what's my? Rudy, why did you become? Why did you decide to work for? I was, NASA? couldn't get enough of those pigs. <laughs> it's a really I hope that's funny. The reason why you it's a really job. funny bit, Kim, for, for Kim, or for anybody else who doesn't know the pigs in space reference it popped into my mind i hadn't thought about it in ages so i don't know where in the recesses of my subconscious pigs in space and the muppet show is but like i remember watch i remember as a kid watching the muppet show and then i hadn't thought about that it just popped into my mind and i i had to go and search like youtube videos to make sure i wasn't losing it (laughs) to prove to myself that this existed but it's a bit with like miss piggy and I forget the other character's name, even though I just watched the YouTube video, but they're, they're pigs in space. And that's how they open up this, this bit on the show is pigs in space. It was Miss Piggy and like two other pigs that, uh, yeah, she really stole the thunder, I guess, from, uh, <laughs> from the other pigs. <laughs> this is so great. I have yeah, no idea what you guys are talking about, pigs. but I need to see it. They were, oh th- I mean, maybe, maybe Miss Piggy was like the OG of, feminism for in space <laughs> i can have two pigs in space and a frog <laughs> try to stop we, me but rudy and i don't even remember the other pigs names like no. that's how big time sh- big time she was she was miss definitely piggy one of space. them yeah <laughs> she didn't even need like miss piggy that can't be her like given name Oh my god, this is great. I love Muppets. I love Muppets everything. I'm disappointed that I don't know this reference. She was like the Princess Leia of uh, of pigs. Yeah. Yeah. They even have this funny bit where they brought in Mark Hamill to play Mark Hamill and then also Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Oh, I don't. I don't remember that. I mean, we're talking about a deep dive here on YouTube just to prove to myself that this was a real thing. And then I came across these bits and they had Chewbacca and uh, C-3PO. And I was like, wow, Muppets huh. bit digging deep for the for the guest on their Pigs in Space bit. Apparently, and I don't remember this, but somebody I was talking with somebody's like, the Muppets had a lot of guests, like big time guests back yes. in the day. Huge, huge. And that's what I love about Muppets because it's almost it tricks you into thinking that it's for kids, but they were really good at giving it an adult spin. Like I love the Muppets. I think they actually had a really fun. Did anybody watch the sitcom that they had on ABC like maybe two, three years ago? No, I heard good things. Hmm. It was so good and it got canceled because I think I was the only person watching it. They're like, there's one person living in uh, Los Angeles who's tuning in uh, <laughs> loyally, and that's all we got. It's her. We got to cancel it. It's not worth keeping uh, going, but I well, love They should have done some pigs in space. You could have told Rudy, and then he would have got all his space friends to watch. I would well. have been curious, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you have forgotten 
We are here. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Kimberly Trung. By my virtual side is my co-host, Michelle Varey. Hello. And we are joined by Rudy Bomer of NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab based out of Pasadena, California. Rudy, what's your technical title other than me just calling you rocket scientist for fun? You know what's funny? Um, They changed our technical titles to make it sound better, but I like my old title because it... uh Mission operations engineer um, sounds better than system engineer, but to, to on lab system engineer sounds better. So they they made it uh, they they wanted to make us look better on lab. So uh, um, it's a weird distinction, Ooh. but uh, either one of those works. Um, but I like I like I fly the spacecraft around and make it do stuff and and uh, yeah. you cowboy you yeah so cool. are you, so are you cool. a space cowboy? Did anybody uh, speak boy. <laughs> space cowboys? <laughs> I want to be now. Did anybody pick their fictional crush of Space Cowboys? Which I don't know if I've oh. ever seen. Have I seen Space Cowboys? You know what? That's I the, have seen Space Cowboys. I have not. That's the old person. Like that was like Clint Eastwood and <laughs> yeah. Yes. I and don't even like, know. But it's the not premise is crazy. It's like we need to send you know the you know these like old you know what I mean like these old timers into space. Yeah. It is crazy. So um, it's like a Western space crossover. <laughs> Uh, I, I yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think. <laughs> I think it was it was more like Cocoon, like Cocoon meets Armageddon, like. But I never saw the movie. Yes. Okay. I feel like I've seen it, but it was that wackadoo to me that I was like, oh, okay, uh, I'm not sure, but <laughs> maybe maybe that's what it NASA seemed like would a be good doing. idea, but yeah, apparently not that good <laughs> of an like, idea. I was just, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm like, I sit here and I think about all like the physical aptitude tests they've got to do. And I'm like, man, I'd be dead after like 48 (laughs) hours of NASA training. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't. And to think like Clint Eastwood in his 70s is going into space. What the heck? I mean, I guess he would be more fit than me. (laughs) I I thought that same thing watching some of the stuff that I watched, considering they're fictional. And I was like, oh, yeah, I I would die with that thing spinning. Sorry. One would hope yeah, so I'm dead. One would hope it's a little more involved than person, woman, man. <laughs> Camera TV bit. is yeah. Just a little bit. Okay, he doesn't Guys, have dementia. Let's go send him into space. <laughs> Maybe that is why they send him to space because they're like he's going to forget how traumatizing this whole event is to him. Um Guys, we're talking <laughs> fictional crushes of space. They are people who are hurtling through space. Maybe, you know, maybe they're breaking that, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're breaking into new dimensions. They're traveling through space and we are maybe talking about Maybe they're living fictional. in space. Maybe are they're they living, living in space. space. Guys, I have a I have a I have an existential question to ask you guys about space, but I, I can't admit it yet. But how about we go ahead ra- ra- round robin? Is that what it is? Round robin mm-hmm. okay. talk Admit or not admit. I don't, I don't want to say admit. Just uh, divulge reveal. who are fictional. Yeah, reveal who are fictional crushes. Uh, Michelle, would you like to go first? Oh, I thought our guests always go first. Oh, uh, yes. I'm so rude, Rudy. <laughs> Please I, um, go first, Rudy. Okay, me. All right. So I, I got a list and probably won't get to all of them, but that's okay. Um, that's okay. And uh, I wanted to go with the OG, the the Star Wars. Um, it was the... Um, it was the one, you know, that uh, that's probably, if anything, I just remember seeing it as a kid. Uh, I didn't have, I wasn't spoiled. I actually saw the first two movies um, back to back as a double header. Um, oh, my. Yeah, it was, uh, 
it must have been about when the second movie came out. And uh, remember, my, my my dad took me. We were in the living in Vancouver, Canada, and we drove into the city. And uh, um, yeah, rainy day. I remember at night, and I don't remember many people oh in the God. theater. Um, but, what? And I don't. And, and versus this, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. Um, but that was the second movie, and he, so it was even still popular. So must have been out for a while. Um, uh, and then uh, I had no idea how it was going to end, so that I had that to look forward to. And uh, I probably, I, you know, I had some of the uh, action figures. Um, but the one, the one character that I think that stuck with me, like thinking about it now, um, especially like having the little action figures and stuff. Um, I want to, I want to uh, put my hat in the ring for Chewbacca. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Michelle and I have a very hilarious story to talk about with, with Chewbacca. Okay, okay. Before we get into this Chewbacca story, Michelle, who's your favorite space hurtling space living Sp- hurtling through space? Well, you guys, Alien, whatever. Per, per usual, it was a hard choice. I had a short list. I was able to pick a crush who's in space and then a crush who I think is living in space. So <laughs> first, literally hurtling through space in a movie that I found fascinating and terrifying at the same time is Sandra Bullock as Dr. Ryan Stone in 2013's Gravity. Yes. Uh, she, oh man, I'll come back and talk more about that movie. And then in making some notes, I thought, why would I not pick this person um, as my number one crush? Um, you know him. You love him. He played K. Um, it's Ryan Gosling in 2017's Blade, Rather, Blade Runner 2049. Ooh, I Technically like. living in space future. But, oh, love that character. I have so to much. admit, I haven't seen the second movie, but I'm a big fan of the first one, which makes me a, a shitty Ooh. fan for not having seen the second movie. Um, I, I think will not, no spoilers here, no spoilers here it's at all. Fantastic. It's really great. And I haven't seen the original Blade Runner, but my, again, my boyfriend's super nerd of all things uh, sci fi and fantasy, apparently. And he loves the original Blade Runner. So we naturally had to see Blade Runner. In the theaters, uh, the reboot, uh, and it was beautiful. In fact, it's the same guy who I'll talk about later. Same director is doing the new reboot of Dune, which, um, again, of course, my boyfriend's super excited about. But I will go ahead and reveal my uh, space crush, who we'll have to debate about is if if he's living in space. But my favorite space crush is Mark Watney. The Martian. Oh. From 2015 Ridley Scott's film, The Martian, based off the book, The Martian. Uh, How many times can I say The Martian? So here's the thing about Matt Damon for me in space. (laughs) I loved him in The Martian. I absolutely loved him in The Martian. But very high on my list of space movies is – Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. And if yes, you've seen that movie, yeah. Matt Damon's character could not be more <laughs> unlikable <laughs> yeah. than Dr. Man. Like, oh, that's right, if yeah. you were stuck with Matt Damon in space, my first question would be, which 
side of the spectrum are you on are you Which gonna lie Damon? about this data or are you gonna are you <laughs> are gonna you plant some crops well, which exactly. one is it who is it matt damon in space is just a bad day to begin with something wrong is <laughs> is going on <laughs> oh, i will, I will say cold. i will say that rudy is 100 percent right because when i first saw interstellar in the theater and i'm so sorry if we've ruined this for you that no, you I've didn't know it. that matt damon was in this no, movie um so I forgot, the name. He, I forgot his name, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember what yeah, he did. So he, son of a bitch. Rudy's like, I hate him. Exactly, exactly. When he showed up, I, when we were watching it in the theater, they unveil like the person who's been like in hibernation or whatever, what they think is gonna be this great uh alternate living space for the people of Earth. <laughs> open up the thing that he's sleeping in and it's Matt Damon and some guy <laughs> in the theater goes oh geez that guy <laughs> <laughs> no what a, what a sick bird on Matt Damon <laughs> they just unveiled his face like they'd undo the zipper and this guy's like are you kidding me <laughs> that is and he, so funny <laughs> That 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 there was someone who was so disappointed that it was him. That is <laughs> the funniest thing to me. That is hilarious. I have a really funny story about that. So because I chose Mark Watney, I naturally did a little bit of reading up about The Martian and you know how they made the movie. And the funniest part is that we were kind of between the years, you know, 2013 and 2016, we were a bit obsessed with sending people into space for movies. You had gravity that came out in 2013, then in 2014 interstellar. And then 2015 is the Martian. Now the funniest part is obviously Matt Damon's both an interstellar and the Martian, obviously one of the things that Matt said to Ridley Scott director of the Martian before he took on the role is hey, you should know this, but I'm already cast in a movie about a man, and I'm a man stranded on a planet. And he said that to Ridley Scott, and you know, it, he's like, you know, uh, is that okay? And then Ridley Scott's like, well, when does you know your movie come out? And he's like, mm, 2014. He's like, well, ours isn't coming out till 2015. It's a whole year. Nobody cares. The funniest part is nobody can. I, everybody keeps making the same joke. It was like, which Matt Damon astronaut are we talking about? And it's such a running joke that, like, even Ridley Scott was like, eh, nobody cares. And everybody makes this joke. It's like, oh, yeah, Matt Damon in space again. Like, it, it's stranded on a planet again. Like, it is the funniest thing to me. Wasn't it a Because the running about- joke is like, how is he still stuck on a planet in space? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, even though he had a very, like, definitive end in Interstellar, you're like, homeboy's still in space, like, a year later? Come Wasn't on. Wasn't it a big surprise that he was in Interstellar? Like, they unzipped it and, like... Like you wouldn't, you yeah, didn't that was the thing because yeah. no, I because I don't remember reading that much about Interstellar before seeing it, to be honest. But I remember it was like a big reveal that he like gets out of they they're unveiling yeah. it and they <laughs> undo the zipper, and that's why I thought it was so funny because I did the whole like, oh man, and then some <laughs> the, the fact that some guy was like, what, this guy, <laughs> and I was like, word, friend, word, right? Like, <laughs> I can tell you this is not going to turn out well for anybody right now. Sorry, Matt Damon. I do love Matt Damon and other fictional characters, but and I did enjoy The Martian very much, but I don't want to see him in space anymore. Was there no, a it, third uh, space Matt Damon movie? I feel like there was more than two. 
That's a good but, question. Oh, I don't know. Maybe just felt like it. I <laughs> don't trying to make know. that space money. <laughs> I don't know, but Michelle and I had this conversation a few episodes ago in our time travel episode about Rachel McAdams and how she's always in these time travel movies, but she's never the time traveler. She's and never the time traveler. Three different movies, which is crazy I feel like to me. that is unfair. I feel <laughs> like there need there's so many petitions out there. Like speaking of Star Wars, I know people petitioned about Star Wars and things like that, but someone needs to get Rachel McAdams time traveling. Maybe they'll do like a female <laughs> reboot of like Back to the Future or whatever. That would be amazing. Um, I want to go back to Rudy's fictional crush, Chewbacca. Okay. I want to ask you, what makes you love that man? Because I can think of why I love that man. I'm sure Michelle can think of reasons why she loves Chewbacca, but why do you love Chewbacca, Rudy? There's so many characters in that movie that that could totally make the list. And uh, 100%. Um, but I think, like, I had to think about why he stuck out to me. And I think the one thing that really popped into me is that he's the ultimate ride or die. Um, <laughs> he is the he ultimate is. ride or die. Is. That is the perfect <laughs> way to describe Chewbacca. He is. He is. Um, Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, he's got everyone's, he doesn't need to get everyone's back. He could have li- gone off and lived off in some forest town. Gone back to his Found rel- himself a nice Chewbacca, Miss Chew, Chewbacca, yeah, Mrs. Chew, Chewbacca, Chewbet or Mrs. something. Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> Have some Chew babies. <laughs> exactly. Chew babies. <laughs> yes, but he's living that. You know, he's living that. Uh, what are they called again? Um, they're not exactly pirates, right? What are they? Uh, oh, what are him and he Hans? was a smuggler. Yes, but smuggler, it's kind of, thank you. I'm like, that's pirate? kind of the no. same thing as a pirate, right? Don't that's, that's kind yeah. of what pirates. I yeah. guess so. He's living that. Kim's like, it's he's like living a, that smuggler's life. Yeah, he's, he's living, living that, that space life. pirate life. Uh, <laughs> you know, that is. It's the same thing. It's like he met thing, some right? guy I that turned so. out to be in some like mud pit, um, and <laughs> from that <laughs> from from Solo, <laughs> and they're friends for life. Oh, sure, you're gonna go smuggling. I love that. Um, I'm game. Let's do it. It is. I love that. I th- Rudy, I think you have just distilled the character of Chewbacca down to one phrase in the most profound, most uh, accurate way possible. The ultimate ride or die. Man, get you a man. Get you a BFF who is like, I'm Who's ride Chewbacca? or die. Chewbacca, and uh, he is ultimate ride or die he knows chewbacca knows how to how to fly fly in space he knows how to fix things uh he's he's nice to people you don't ever see him be like rude he's even nice to droids um he doesn't talk a lot i'm a fan of that i love that he doesn't talk that much and he's always trying to reason with Han Solo. He's always trying to like reason with him. Like when Han Solo's like, we're going to do this thing. He's always like, look, bro, I'll go with you because I'm your ride or die. But let me just tell you, not a good idea. Can we at least talk about this first before we ride and or die? Can we at least have a conversation? He does have jokes. The thing is, is I don't think he's ever like, get up for a ball. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I don't think he's ever like, like, yeah, ever backed out of a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> no, 
that's what, those are the kind of friends that you need. The kind that of friends who will reason need. with you. But even when you have the dumbest idea, <laughs> they will support you. And then when you end up in carbonite, they will help rescue you. <laughs> he was, I he love was this willing so to be much. like. Oh no, he was he was also captured. He was ca- but he, no, he let himself be captured, like to be part of that whole plot. That's right. That's right. Dang. The layers, the layers of loyalty with Chewbacca. We are just peeling back the layers of this uh, creature that, you know, at, at, on the naked eye, I'm not going to lie, is terrifying. So here's that funny story about me, oh, me yeah. and Michelle. We met Chewbacca. Oh, really? Well, I will we met- say, I will say that at Disneyland, you can meet Chewbacca. They have like a meet and greet oh, because they have the whole Star yeah. Wars land at Disneyland. Okay. Yeah, we didn't meet after. <laughs> Just to set expectations with everybody who's listening. But Kim, I told Kim, I said, I think this is so cool. I know people who've done it. I think that Chewbacca is the coolest. And I would love nothing more than to go up and hug him and we take a picture. I think that'd be super cool. And then we decided to do it. Got it. And then it was the biggest mistake of our lives. Okay, this is taking a twist. Huge mis- it's huge it wasn't, mistake. Okay, it was nothing Chewbacca did. It is me and my little uh, – me and Michelle, we are uh, – I don't know. I guess we are we, – we didn't grasp the greatness of Chewbacca in his presence. So, you know, they usher you into the room to take a photograph with uh, Mr. Chewbacca. And we walked in. Well, actually, he comes and he gets you. He comes to the doorway and he gets you. But when he comes around that corner, you're like, oh! Like, it's like you're seeing Bigfoot. Like, it, it- <laughs> It's like it's a daunting, uh, scary thing that you're like, oh my god, I'm seeing a six and a half foot tall furry creature come at at the door for me, and it just was a natural reaction where and I was like, a bear, so That's tall. Fair. I like you know when when they when they show pictures of like little kids who take a picture with Santa Claus or like the Easter Bunny, and the kid is like, <laughs> this is terrifying, and they're screaming and they're crying. It was us. Kim and I were so excited to meet him and he came around the corner and we just froze (laughs) and we just looked up at him. I'm not very tall. Kim's taller than I am. And we just looked up at him and all we could see were these eyes like bearing down on us. And we didn't, we were like, uh, uh," and then he motioned for us to come and we blindly walked and we were terrified. And I was like, now I understand what those little kids feel when they're crying on Santa's lap like oh awful we definitely that is definitely 100% what we were feeling on the inside but on the outside you know I think you know once we got past (laughs) that initial shock we were able to like have a nice conversation with him I did tell him that he parked the Millennium Falcon like shit (laughs) and outside you know and that he should just you know take care of that parking job but he like cried out Kim did a full setup for that bit (laughs) Um, he did. No, uh, no, did, did he? he? I don't remember. He did like he did. Oh, thing, I yeah. can't do a Chewbacca thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. he did one a of those. A little bit. Yeah, he did a little bit of that. But Kim did a whole setup when we walked up to him and she – because, you know, he's used to like little kids or whatever taking pictures. Here walk in these ladies and he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and he was very kind to us and Kim goes, hey, we saw – because we had ridden the ride. So he's like, hey, we saw your Millennium Falcon out there. Is that your Millennium Falcon? And he <laughs> nodded and did his little noise. <laughs> and then she's like, well, I have to tell you, you parked it like shit. <laughs> and he didn't know what to do. <laughs> 
This wasn't I, part of the handbook. I think he's like, <laughs> no. He's like, uh, do I kick them out? What do I say? Do I laugh? We couldn't, and we also couldn't tell if he thought it was funny because we thought, obviously, thought it was hysterical. And then he was like doing this hand motion, like either get a, get out of here or just take the picture and beat it. Like get out. Of my life. Uh, honest to God, I thought I saw a a twinkle in his eye. I think we brought him. Uh, much needed entertainment Joy? after you know five year old five year old after five year old right but you know two grown women cracking jokes initially terrified of him at first but eventually warmed up I think we were a good break in his in his this poor actor's <laughs> day um, I want to hit you up Michelle now you had picked Ryan Stone yes is mm-hmm. that the name right of gravity i also had her on my list i think she is absolutely phenomenal and what a great story arc what made you go dang this woman i love well, her i love her well i don't know that there are a lot of female characters who are in realistic space movies like there's plenty there's women to some degree in like sci-fi movies but I remember seeing this movie in the theater and I was so struck by her energy on the screen. She's, you know, on her very first mission out in space. She's a medical engineer. I mean, she's working with George Clooney, lucky her. Um, And they're doing the spacewalk. And I remember watching in the movie when I think it's the shuttle. Rudy can correct me. It starts spinning. I think think that's when it starts spinning. Yeah. And it starts spinning really badly. And I thought, Oh, I've, Space terrifies me in a way. Well, they made um, it even more terrifying. Out there and the fact uh, they made it really yeah. terrifying. And I have questions for Rudy about it, but I like that she's smart. I like that she, um, at the beginning, you don't really know because in the movie she's acting frantic. And, you, and for me, I hate it when female characters put on that whole, like they need to be rescued. And of course she's working with George Clooney and they're trying to figure out what to do next. But they, her character arc is that she now of course is in this, this really precarious situation. It's her first time out in space and she has to figure out what to do and to do it on her own. And every time something happens, it's almost like everything gets exponentially harder. And I was like, if that isn't some metaphor for life for people right now or for women right now, because Mm -hmm. like, you know, she tries to make it on her own and she, the, the debris comes back and so it becomes challenging. But she just keeps with this whole like, never giving up and so determined and trying to problem solve even when she's in like this, I guess it's like the smaller shuttle um, that has, that's um, from China and she can't read anything right. and she's trying to sort it out. So I, I don't know. I love that she was on her own and there's one part where she's like, <laughs> they have it back to back where she, things are not going well, but she's finally, got herself into a somewhat safe place. And she's like, I hate space. And I was like, <laughs> I hear you sister. <laughs> like, I hate it. And it's then so she, good. and then the um, shuttle gets caught or the escape pod gets ca- caught. She can't, has to figure out how to, how she's going to get it free so that she can save herself. And she says something like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is so relatable. <laughs> to me. It's so, it, I love lines like that, that really give you insight into a character. In fact, that is what sealed the deal with me for Mark Watney of the Martian is at one point, 
he says, and it's the quickest you could blink and you would miss it. But he goes, he's so frustrated. It's his first few souls on Mars and he's trying to figure shit out. And he, he's, you know, coming after one thing after another, all these problems, just like Ryan stone. And all he says is fuck you, Mars. (laughs) And I'm just like, (laughs) yes, yes. A thousand times. I can 100% see my ass stranded on Mars being like, fuck you, Mars. It is fantastic. I think the writing for this character of Mark, Mark Watney is so funny. It feels so relatable. I have not read the book, but I, I'm I'm dying to now read the book. Um, but I, we can go a little bit more into Mark Watney's character, but I, I'm, I'm aware that we're going to take a quick break first. And uh, before we head into the quick break, I want to pose a quick question to you guys is Dune and whatever limited or unlimited knowledge, you know, of Dune is Dune technically a space movie. Hmm. We can ponder that on our break, but otherwise we'll be right back. Hey, you guys know that we don't have any sponsors, but we just want to quickly shout out two organizations that we think are doing pretty rad things for both education and science. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about the organization that we think is doing really cool things to help teachers out? Absolutely. It's called Donors Choose. If you guys go to donorschoose.org, you'll see that you can find a classroom to support. There's a button in the top left corner of the page. And once you click that, it'll give you options for all different types of schools across the United States that are just looking for a little bit of funding to help, whether it's math, science, art, music class, and you'll get to find out exactly what they're looking for. A little goes a long way. And speaking of a little going a long way, Kim, tell them about the other organization that we would like to support. I would love to give a shout out to the National Girls Collaborative Project, and they can be found at NGC, again, National Girls Collaborative, project.org. They have tons of resources. They offer mini grants. They have webinars, online learning portals. Get your girls. Do you know a little girl that is interested in science or, you know, wants to explore her interest in STEM? Send her this way. Find the resources that you need and head on over to ngcproject.org. She could work at NASA one day. Who knows? So visit the National Girls Collaborative Project or Donors Choose, which is D-O-N-O-R-S-C-H-O-O-S-E dot O-R-G and see if there's anything that strikes your fancy. Thanks again for your support. Ah, so everyone has no idea what Dune is about, <laughs> is what we've discovered. And Nobody that's okay. Knows. This is, and this that's is not okay. even Timothy Chalamet knows. He's like, I just read the lines they gave me. I don't do anything else. I'm, I'm an actor. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for a little Timothy Chalamet in Dune, along with some Zendaya. I've- I forgot who was in it, but I do. I did remember that the cast was like I remembered being really impressed with who. who it is, and uh, look, there's no look. If you forget who's in it, it's because they literally have everyone in it. It is <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I'm not joking, guys. This is the freaking cast list. I'm going to read it off to you real quick. You've got Timothy Chalamet, as we know, Zendaya, as we know, Oscar Isaac. 
Jacek Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin. <laughs> like it, it is just, everyone, but oh. no Matt Susan Damon. Susan Sarandon, no Matt Damon. He's like, dang, when am I going to get my third space movie? <laughs> He's like, how many times I, I got to strand myself on this planet to get in this Dune movie? It's got everybody. This movie's got everybody. And that's what I'm actually excited about. And I I know we have talked a little bit th- about this off the recording, but I do not care for the original Dune. I know it has a cult following. My boyfriend loves the original Dune by David Lynch. Not my cup of tea, but I'm not going to lie. I'm interested in seeing this new Dune. Now, is it a space movie? I have no idea. In fact, I don't even know why I asked that question because I don't know the answer. <laughs> like- <laughs> I I only saw the I saw the movie a, like ages ago, and um, I didn't read space, the book. Right? I didn't read a book, but I remembered a spaceship is involved. But I don't remember it being like <laughs> See? terribly particular See, it's a space movie. It kind of I don't remember it being particularly like or it being crucial to the plot. Like yes, that that yes, I don't think it's crucial to the plot, and um, I think that is what I've kind of been struggling with the past week while I was trying to pick my favorite fictional crush oh, me from too, space. Yeah. Is like, what is a space movie technically? Yeah, oh yeah. I actually had this conversation with James, and he, I said, is Alien a space movie? Absolutely, isn't it? I I was pretty like. Uh, that that one didn't uh, make me want to think about it. I was pretty on the space side. Um, I yeah. mean, it's a horror movie, but yeah, it's like but, a horror uh, suspense. And, but I mean, it's it's like all in but space. But it's set in it's set in space, right? It yeah. is. That's but the but I also think that you know space has to be a part of the storyline somehow, right? And so I thought that was a good point because Chico is the Martian a space movie, and he's like. No, because it takes place mostly on Mars. <laughs> and he's like, if we're going to say that, then Earth is tech. Anything that takes place on Earth is a space movie. And I was like, hmm. Oh, oh, see, I think the Martian is. I don't know. That's like splitting hairs, I think. The Martian's definitely a space movie. He's crazy. Martian's <laughs> definitely a space movie. Well, see, like Blade Runner, yeah, I came oh, yeah. across That's obviously the one I late in the game with. because. Um, as I was searching for other options, basically looking for other ladies in space other than Sigourney Weaver and uh, I don't know who else is in space. Uh, Sandra Bullock, obviously. But it's set in space, but you don't really see it. Like they talk about other planets and they talk about, you know, replicants and humans that are in other, I don't know if it's galaxies or and, and or planets, but you don't, it's not like a typical flying through space kind of movie. Yeah, I I did not have trouble with The Alien or with The Martian. Um, those to me are both space movies. But I did I agree. was thinking about um yeah, I was thinking about um I did have trouble with um Blade Runner because they sent the replicants to space to go work as like slaves, but otherwise right. it was like that was it. Um, right. maybe this and is just my excuse. To talk about Ryan Gosling in a movie. That's, <laughs> That's not fair. my number okay. one crush, no, I mean, but it's close. It's, I, That's I, okay. I had Roy Batty on my short list. He was from the first movie. Um, ah, and uh, But I was like, I didn't really want to argue with uh, whether, if you guys would, was gonna, were going to say it was a space movie, I was like, all right. Um, or not. 
Um, hey, look, there's no right or wrong. I mean, if if every if we picked our space movies according to James, it has all <laughs> these very specific requirements that apparently we're not going to be able to meet. Which is, I, I'm uh, you okay know, with that. If you make up those rules, we'll go with that. <laughs> apparently, James is like, well, you don't even see space that much in Alien. And I, go, I mean, just well, just the same, I guess, in Blade Runner. You don't they talk about space, but you don't like necessarily see it. And, and sometimes like, you kind of do, but. Sorry, James. <laughs> you know what? Look, and look, m- majority of the Martian takes place obviously on Mars and on Earth. Yes. And but they're traveling through space. They got to get his their homeboy back to Earth. It's a space movie. That it's a space movie to me. And it's a space movie for sure. I mean, well, at the I end, they're like quick. doing spacewalks to get right. him to, to yeah. Right. He freaking bust a hole in his freaking gloves <laughs> so he can Iron Man over to her and, uh, you know, not be stranded. You know, that's what one of the reasons I actually love this character is he's so he's so like, let's try things. I think the thing that really solidified this character for me and why I love it is he literally says, I'm not going to die here. Oh, I remember let me that tell part. you. Let me tell you right now. My freaking I would die there. Left- I'm dead. I'm already yeah, dead. I, 24 hours I don't hours see later, how I'm done. getting out. Yeah. <laughs> no communication. Yeah. But he literally like, says, I'm not going to die here. But you know, I, you know, if it was my ass, I'd be like, oh shit, it's done. Stick a fork in me. The, there were so many times in the movie Gravity that I, I was like, oh, I would, I would die here. It's like five minutes into the movie. I was like, oh, I, I would be dead here. And then like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh no, I'd be dead here too. And then later on when she's trying to figure out, she's trying to read the instructions on maybe it's like the escape pod and she's, she's in a state of panic. And I was like, oh, I would die here for sure because I would have no patience to be reading these directions and trying to fly this escape pod. Yeah. Now it's that in is, Chinese. And here's the thing I'm going like, to give. Do you want me to live the universe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real like that's what she's like are you kidding me <laughs> it is and i love that uh i love that a lot of these space movies address that kind of the there's this moment i feel like that happens for all of these characters where they have to figure something out relatively quickly right they have to uh, have that ingenuity in the moment and like, but be, but also be patient enough to not just be like, well, I'm just going to skim these directions. Right. I brought this up during the break. And the thing that also really impressed me about the Martian, other than this fantastic, sarcastic character who's surviving on his own on stranded on this planet is all the science and math involved because there's no effing, there's no just going "Mm, about 23%. There's none of that. It has to be so exact. You know, Donald Glover, Donald Glover, he's a great character, smaller character in that role. He comes in as the astro dynamics guy and is like, hey, we're just going to like slingshot this uh, rocket right around Earth. And he does all this math. He has to get it run by the supercomputer. And I'm just like, my brain just exploded from just witnessing that. I I, I did read the book. Um, and yes, Um you know how they, they always say, well, the book is better. Well, okay, well, the book, the movie did a fantastic job of combining the book into two hours. Um, Great. The, the, ama- the book, the movie was amazing. Um, and the book was really good, too. The book was uh, was really great, too. 
um, the book had time to expand it out. And um, yeah, it, it actually goes into some of the math a little bit to the point where like I was even like trying to like do the math, like trying to figure it out. Like, is this true? You were? Uh, a little bit. It, it slowed that. me down a lot. Although the book was written <laughs> so well that like I finished the book so quickly and I, I read so slowly. Um, um, the, the first lines in the book is, I am so fucked. I- <laughs> <laughs> it, that's such a that, that again what a great character right where you're just like yeah. again his one-liners they're so so good um yeah in, those were in all the book, in the book too right in the book he, does he also have this disdain for commander lewis's disco music that she left behind i was trying to remember if that was in the movie because it's because they expand about that in the book yeah yeah because that it, I, I thought that was such a great running joke, and it only made, I think, the movie even more lively. To me, I think the entire movie is a, a great way to honor science and the people behind science. Watching all those, uh, I'm assuming your colleagues at what would be, you know, the fictional colleagues of JPL putting together their own version of uh, the rocket and then telling him how to do it and duplicate oh, it. The, it, the, the rover, they found an old rover. Yeah, yeah, the old rover. And it's just like, I love those moments. Um, the fun fact I want to say about uh, The Martian is the guy who wrote it, Andy Weir. Mm-hmm. He's a software programmer. He's a, He was a software programmer by day. And I'm sure all of us understand what it's like to work in like a day job and then maybe have like a hobby. And his hobby was writing this book. He was like, I want to write a book. I want to nerd out about this idea of a man stranded on Mars. And he worked so hard to get the science right that he would release chapters at a time to a small group of people. He had like a loyal following who would help check his science. And eventually he turned it into an ebook, of course, put it on Amazon. It shot up the sci-fi bestsellers list, then eventually made it onto the New York Uh, Times bestseller list. Obviously, literary agents came knocking. Hollywood came knocking. Ridley Scott bought the rights to the film and Drew Goddard wrote the script for it. And the funniest part is that even after this deal, making his money off this book, he still kept his day job as a software programmer for an entire year because he was like, nah, this ain't really happening. And I love that story so much because I'm always fascinated by the writing process and as a writer, what goes into creating a character in a world. And I think he does such a fantastic job. And I'm, I'm so glad that this got turned into a movie because I, again, I have not read the book, but I'm, do- I'm totally going to read it after your recommendation. Rudy. I, I, I read so slowly and I zoom through it. It, um, it, it, if, if the sarcasm and the humor is just as vivid in the yeah. book as it is in the movie, then sign me up. Yeah, it was- it'll be interesting if you read the book, Kim, whether you think that you if you visualize Matt Damon as as the main character. Yeah, mm. I, you know, I I love Matt Damon in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, I could see that character easily being played by somebody else. And I hate saying stuff like that, but I do think Matt Damon does a great job playing that character again there are moments where he really lets the comedy shine 
and and his desperation and the sarcasm come through and it works really well. He's there. They did a really good job at towing the stakes of the entire situation, but making sure that the comedy didn't get lost. And I really appreciate that as someone who's a comedy writer. One of the things I wanted to ask since we have Rudy here is um, about the science element of a space movie and one of the movies that made it and characters that made it to the top of my list and he almost made it to be number one um, was Matthew McConaughey's character Coop or Cooper in Interstellar. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, it's a long movie. It's apparently (laughs) a partially Christopher Nolan's ode to 2001 space odyssey. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Which is, I will say I watched it and I told these guys off tape, um, I watched it. It was a hard watch for me. 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, me too. There's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. It's me just too. really hard. Like that first 30 minutes, I struggled. I've, I've never burn. admitted the, admitted this out loud um, <laughs> that I, I've had a hard time. I'm not, I don't know. It seems to like it's on everyone's list of like inspiring movies, but uh, maybe I, I saw it, it too it's, late, but I just. Ha- like the half an hour yeah, of it is a laser light show. Oh. Right. And then you've got the beginning where there's no dialogue for like 30 minutes. And there's definitely like the long drawn out pauses where it's five minutes of like either silence or music and the sp- and spaceships are moving. And maybe I'm just not a total fan girl of Stanley Kubrick, although I love Dr. Strangelove. This, it was a hard watch for me. I felt like I needed to think about it after seeing it because it was just, there's just too much. (laughs) It just felt strange to me. Um, But I thought it, I thought it was interesting, but then in watching interstellar again, um, I was fascinated. It was a little bit long for me, but I was curious after reading some of the articles that I read about how they wrote the story and how they shot the film itself if you as a scientist felt that it was at all scientific or I don't know, scientifically accurate. Um, well, uh, first I should preface that I'm not a scientist, but an engineer. And unfortunately that, that does make a difference to, in our in our universe. <laughs> um, but on that note, um, um, speaking for the scientists of which I have no business doing so, but I'm going to do anyway. It's okay. Um, no, do it. I'm going to do it. Own it, Rudy. I'm own Rocket it. scientist. <laughs> yes. Um, Rocket so scientist. I think, I believe that, um, and by believing, I know, um, that one of the, one of the big advisors on that movie was like one of like Caltech's like biggest theoretical physicist guys. His name's Kip Thorne. Um, they gave him credit at the yes. end of the movie. Um, and, I remember telling somebody like, like, this is the kind of stuff that makes my brain bleed, but this is the stuff that there's like, there's a lot of very key theoretical physicists that are really on board with this theory, um, of, um, wow. The universe being like that. Um, saying it really simply. Wow. Like that. Um, so <laughs> people much smarter than me are, are saying, yeah, this is kind of what we, we think is gonna, is is the way it goes. I mean, not when you cross the event horizon and it kind of goes into that whole, like, like through the He's bookcase. Bookshelf. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like, what? Like that, that to me, I didn't realize that, but that's probably the 2001 and like homage that he was going for maybe. 
Um, oh, yeah, maybe? and it, like the like some of the shots, I guess that he that are in two thousand one Space Odyssey, the prolonged shots of, um, I think it was the rings of Saturn. We were talking about Saturn at the beginning of, I think, at the top of the call. Apparently, Stanley Kubrick wanted to accurately depict the rings of Saturn in 2001 Space Odyssey, but there wasn't enough technology that allowed him to do it in the way that he wanted. So then, of course, Christopher Nolan comes along in 2014 and working with Kip Thorne and all of these other images that he was able to build. Yeah, by that time, Cassini was there. And we had a lot of great images of of Saturn at that time. That's right. did Did your photos have a wormhole in it? Not that we know of, we, unless unless they're keeping it quiet for me. Um, I'd like to think <laughs> like, that. Oh shit! There's a wormhole in this photo. I mean, how would you even identify it? I don't. That's know. right. Yeah, that like wormholes. That's something that theoretical physicists are um, beyond my brain cells. But uh, um, oh, they're God. saying that's like a possibility of of uh, traveling from one end of the universe to the other. Um, it's something they believe that could be the case. Um, yeah, that is yeah. so in, wild. In the article I read, they and I don't know if this was backed up by like Neil deGrasse Tyson or something because I know he does a whole like thirty minute video talking about the uh, what he believes to be the accuracy of interstellar okay. um, versus like gravity. There were some things that people complained that that really technically wouldn't happen. But in um, one this one article I read, they said it was the most scientifically accurate depiction of what we believe a black hole to be like on the inside because they fly through it and it's i remember seeing in a theater it's overwhelming it is Um, it's very overwhelming have to process it but then when i read that article and i was reading really what went into them bringing in like kip thorne and all the special effects and how extensive they were just to make the movie i thought that was very cool that they were trying to do so much with special effects that they created the the their own technology in order to create it so it's like one of i I don't know if it's like the largest film because of all the special effects and the data that went into it. There was like some frames that they rendered that took one, you know, one frame took like a hundred hours. Just crazy. That is wild. Um, But it feels very real. But going through a black Uh, hole is not, I don't think that's something that we have any, uh, you can take guesses on what that's going to be like, but uh, I don't know if anyone, I mean, that's, that's something to me would be completely artistic license, regardless of what, (laughs) <laughs> anyone at Caltech regardless says. of what you say Kip Thorne <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> I think so I mean Christopher Nolan <laughs> <laughs> I watched that movie and that is a movie where God Rudy if your brain is bleeding my brain I don't know just turned to dust I suppose and just didn't cease to exist because I watched that movie and I know they explain it and I understand what I understand the components of what they're trying, what they're saying and doing, but that moment where Matthew McConaughey's character goes back with, Oh shoot. I forget the female actress he's with. And And they go to that. Yes. Thank you. And they go to that planet and they know that they only have this like, what three minute window or something short. They Um, have to like go there. Yeah. And what? And they're like, but every, yeah (laughs) and then they go back and that poor man they left on the ship is like i've been waiting for 30 (laughs) years years. and you're just like what (laughs) 
And I feel so bad for that guy. That guy was like my favorite. He was just like, finally, you guys show up. I've been waiting for 25 years. And they were like, we were gone an hour. (laughs) See, that shit makes my head go. Yeah, it just, my my brain just explodes because I can't even... Like, I get it, but I don't get it. Okay. I, I, yeah, I get it and I don't really get it, but I think I kind of get it, but probably not. Um, it's yes. that the, the closer you are to like gravity, um, time slows down or speeds up. And I really probably should have prepared this. Cause I'm going <laughs> to, it's, it definitely, the closer you are to gravity, like a gravity source does warp time. So the fact that the, like, it's a black hole that has so much gravity. Um, one was going to expect that, I mean, 30 years seems like a lot, but I guess uh, maybe you do the math on it and depending on how big that black hole is. Um, wow. Um, yeah, I can, I got to think, I remember like thinking about it at the times, like that's cause I always forget which way it goes. Like, does it slow down or speed up? And, um, Hey, look, I don't expect you to know uh, everything well, right I don't off the know. bat. I've, I had to read extensive articles. I, this is the second or third time I've watched this movie, and I still needed to read stuff after this just to become prepared. And then I went back and watched part of the movie again because there are some, like, Easter eggs and things hidden. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful film. It is very long. I will pose the question to you guys, though, because in my mind, Matthew McConaughey, lovely – man i'm sure um but i don't necessarily peg him as somebody that i would go into space with like (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah like um, his character is is not an astronaut in the movie he's a pilot and they kind of hook him into this uh, pseudo lie about what he can do how he can help this mission and i love it he's he's rugged he's a problem solver he's um a good little jokester but i kept thinking is he the is he the guy that i want on the in space with me well somebody like there's no wrong answer like sandra bullock in gravity matt damon in the martian like those are guys that passed like the uh the psychological test like these are the people that can handle um having to um, get stuck on Mars without communication, getting mm. tr- going from um, space or space station to space station, and in with Chinese instructions and and making it back, and <laughs> and even even like George Clooney effing around with the with the, the jetpack, <gasps> right? Um, like yes, I I loved me some George Clooney. I love that he sacrificed himself for her. Like mm. I was like, if he was out there with me, uh, George Clooney, no question. Sandra Bullock, no question. Obviously, Ryan Gosling for obvious reasons. But uh, I feel like Matthew McConaughey would probably get you out of a jam. Like he'd definitely get you in trouble into the black hole. Wasn't he was, might get you out of a jam? Though. Wasn't Matthew McConaughey like one of the only people that like they had left, and that's why they kind of had to go with him? Oh, oh, as the setup for like we need you to do this. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I totally might not. Um, and that's why I know they, that they like, say that, but again, okay. Because didn't they like? I mean, he was living in some yeah. I can't like remember shack the... in the in a like in the I was yeah. Say the desert, he's like a uh, farmer. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a military guy. I think he's a military guy, if I remember correctly, and like a pilot. 
they they kind of rope him into this. But I was like, well, I mean, I guess he's not really made for space. But if he got me out of a jam, I feel like he'd have like a Lone Star beer or something hidden <laughs> on the ship somewhere, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, I don't know. This is one of those situations where I think I probably would want Chewbacca on my side <laughs> through For space. Sure. I'm not going to lie. Ride think, or die. Ride or die. You know, exactly. I think if I had to choose between Matthew McConaughey and somebody else, I think I would go with Chewbacca in this instance. Oh, um, something I did remember. The whole thing about the, the – the, why am I doing this? The black hole um, slowing down time. Oh, um Ooh. like when you go into space like just even up in orbit i believe like like we're lo- like you would lose like a second or so so it, i mean that whole time difference you're not getting you know you're not losing 30 years worth but uh um it's it's not slowing down i think it was like you're losing seven minutes or seven years a, a minute or whatever it was um but you are you are losing some time like even just going up into space like a second or so and it might be losing or gaining crazy? yeah um that's but because you're getting again, away this from is where I, I going because you're getting away from gra- our gravity a little bit. Um, there's some. Can we talk about this? Like too. when you get when you get that far into space, like as far as like time, um, there's no. It's completely silent, right? There's there's absence of light and there's absence of sound. Is that correct? Absence of sound, basically, because there's nothing for the sound to bounce off of. Um. Absence of light? Um, there's absence of light in a black hole. So, um, no, you'd still get light like from, uh, from other sources, like stars. Um, so, no, there's this, you, have, you have light in space. Um, but no sound. I think that's the part that terrifies me, the no sound. Like, it was really obvious yeah. in gravity the way that they shot it or the way that they oh, yeah. um, produced it when certain things happen, like things that would be like a catastrophic explosion or, you know, metal hitting metal. It's completely silent. And I told Kim, I said, that is terrifying to me. Yeah. Just to see that, like, that like is very, screaming that, death going by you and, and yeah, not having that. <laughs> and you've, and there's no sound. Yeah. It's just, just, hey, what a, what can a, I forward... ask a dumb question. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how dumb it really is. <laughs> Because most of the time when people think they're asking it's no dumb, dumb questions. questions. Well, most of the time people think that it's a dumb question. Usually it's not. No, this is definitely a dumb question right. uh, because we were talking about it. Now, there's no sound in space because there's no sound waves in space, right? Well, they have nothing to bounce off of. Um, so they're just going to keep going. Um, As in, and what do you mean by nothing? <laughs> well, it's not that there's super nothing. Um, it's just that the, the very little that's there, no, see, this is good. Um, the very little that's there is just so far, far, uh, widely spaced apart. Um, the, oh yes, of course. Duh. Plasma. <laughs> but say I was like, say I'm like Sandra Bullock and I'm cruising up next to my, you know, space station or whatever. Okay. What, and I talked out loud. I had the ability to somehow maybe blast music from my spacesuit. You would send, <laughs> you would send... <laughs> sound waves you would send yeah you'd send sound waves but you wouldn't hear but it. nobody would hear that because they wouldn't bounce off anything yeah yeah not even my uh space station huh not even your what it's not enough my space station I, like if no, i'm I don't space walking so. it's just gonna go all out and just next to my it. space station <laughs> terrifying I well inside yeah inside yes 
Yes, inside. Okay, yeah. Um, cool, cool, cool. So, you guys, as I was watching Gravity with Sandra Bullock, my fictional crush for this episode, I, I've i seen it. I know how it ends, but I was still largely terrified about what what could happen to her out in space. Um and we were kind of talking a little bit about it off tape, but I don't know. I it had my heart going because she's out there alone. There's no sound. There's debris coming at her. I know you both of you guys have seen the movie, but it made me think like, why am I finding this so terrifying? So I guess something I wanted to ask you guys is it brought up this idea for me of um, like isolation. Cause in, in space that we talked about, there's no sound um, in different movies. We've talked about like Matt Damon, he's by himself. He's got to figure out what to do. And that, that sense of, of being alone and being alone doesn't always equate loneliness. So I don't know if that's what I find scary about space is the the feeling of what could possibly be loneliness or being alone or is the scariest thing about space th- uh, those two things existing together at the same time yes i i think <laughs> so yeah i think both of them i mean you can kind of compare this to the uh um you know the the uh um isolation the quarantine that we have going right now um oh my goodness right right I don't know about you guys, but I've been kind of doing this solo. Um, I know it can be kind of lucky you got James around. Uh, um, <laughs> lucky is a generous I, I term. You know, I mean, it's true. You might be you might be getting on each other's nerves uh, <laughs> more so because of it's it. It's all good. But, uh, it's all yeah, good. but no, but it's it's it. Uh, you know, my boss was checking in on me when first. Uh, you know, how you doing out there? And you know, I told him I'm a natural introvert. I was born for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why you like space maybe that's why you find space so interesting and I, I think I'm an introvert too but the whole thought of being out there I thought oh I think the scariest thing is how lonely you would feel or how quiet it would be and then when I'm seeing Sandra Bullock uh, you know huddle hurl through space with no more George Clooney I'm like no it's it's both <laughs> it's being it's, alone it's definitely and both. Lonely. about a month ago it hit me like this fucking sucks. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but I think somebody, somebody like her character Ryan Stone, who they're going to send into space, it's going to be somebody who can handle that. But at the same time, like you know, you have anomaly multiplied by anomaly. Like that's you know, she has that she has a breakdown where she's like, I just need to let my brain just just empty out and then just move on and get it done. Um, regardless of what right. it is she's going to make it or not, it's just like, let's do this and survive. Um, yeah, I guess yep. we kind of need that too, in a sense, a little bit for, for what we have too on a much lesser scale. But uh, um, no, it's, it's definitely both. Um, the loneliness is, de- is part of the terrifying, is part of the, the terror of it. I think so. Yeah. I think that is huge. I think what you bring up, Michelle and Rudy, even the comparison to the pandemic, 100% agree with you guys on both counts. I think why I also gravitated so much to Mr. Mark Watney of The Martian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, I, there is a moment 
that happens in the movie and uh it's at you know the very end and sorry if this is a spoiler uh for i mean i guess this whole episode has been non-stop spoilers but i <laughs> if you haven't seen the martian i would encourage you to listen or watch it but in the martian uh jessica chastain's character has to go out and essentially have like ha- have this hail mary moment of catching him out in space because you know he's flying hurtling up into space in this like shoddy uh air cra- uh shuttle she has to catch him and there's this really beautiful moment where she finally they finally make eye contact with each other through their suits and he just looks so happy to see somebody that he hasn't been able to see somebody for a year i want to say he's on that planet for a good two it's, years yeah now i don't remember uh, it's so funny i was like watching the dates like uh and, like really closely and now i don't remember how long no he was it's on about there. that yeah but it's a long damn time and you could tell that that is where i think the directing really came through from like ridley scott's uh part because that is something i think easily could have been missed in the script uh, or easily could have been missed in shooting. And they made sure that that was a moment that when he sees her, you see the joy in his face of like, oh my God, another human being. Not only is it just, yes, yes, of course, the joy that, you know, he, she's going to bring him back home. He's going to see his crewmates again. He's alive. He lived through this whole thing. But you can tell that that, that moment was him the, there's a you see his eyes look at her in this way of like oh Another my god it's so good being, to see like, yeah, exactly the it's connection so good to see. of of being yeah. some i think that's how all of us will will react when we get to see people yes. again at, you know as we work through this pandemic and wear our masks and be safe and take all the right precautions that once we see people again we will be so overjoyed matt damon eyes jessica chastain <laughs> all of the martian I could not agree more. Man, wow. Talk about wow. tying it into this real world. You like how I love that full circle? I didn't want to end it on a downer note. Like loneliness, alone, pandemic, how you guys feel. Um, one thing I, I did want to ask uh, Rudy, but it'll be around Robin as well. Um, we talked – you talked about seeing uh, Star Wars in the in the movie theater with with your dad and how exciting it was. And it really got you interested in space. Did you have um, a teacher in, in any part of your <sighs> um, student career that either was like really got you into science or really got you into like the field that you're in today? And maybe do you want to like give them a shout out? Oh, uh, uh, I should. Um, I recall <laughs> – I was really into mathematics, um, mm. more so than sciences, but I had some great teachers. I mean, uh, um, you can give a math, math, teacher? math teacher. Anybody. I shouldn't have said science. Any teacher. Oh, you want me to give a shout out? Um, I, I, oh man, you're making me think of a couple teachers that passed away recently. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, well, yeah. um, knock on wood. They've, uh, well, you know, both of them, I think lived really good lives. Um, one could have been a little bit one a little sooner than he should have, but uh, um, yeah, mm, let's give him shout I'm outs. Sorry. No, it's part yeah. of circle of life. Um, you, you live, you live the best. They live on in you. Well, I hope. Yeah, I guess so. Hopefully, um, they do. Um, 
I am, uh, yeah, now that I'm thinking of them, um, remember Jerry Kopke, and, uh, who's, uh, I guess uh, you'd have to call it advanced math, I suppose. I'm trying to, he's algebra, who's, uh, he's an algebra, ge- no, not geometry, trigonometry, calculus, trigonometry and calculus. Um, yeah, I guess my first test. Those are the hard math. Go at calculus was through him. Um, just a unique character though. Um, his, his, uh, his classroom was covered in coupons. Um, he was just big on collecting. <laughs> yes. A thousand times. Yes. I want to meet a math teacher whose classroom is just full of coupons. Why? I need to know. Uh, no, it's just this thing. Uh, I mean, it was just newspapers of just coupons that he was going to get around to clipping on. <laughs> I thought it was going to be some like deep cut, like he was trying to show you guys like nah. the importance that math plays in everyday <laughs> life. He's but like, no, I'm I trying to get fifty percent off a tube of this toothpaste. orange juice. Yeah, can get off me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also so a frugal man. <laughs> I'm a teacher and a frugal man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, Pennywise. I think that's all it was. Um, and another one was a biology teacher I had. Uh, I only had him one year, but uh, and. I don't know if a lot of people really liked him, but I loved the guy. He was a uh, his his he had a a picture or a yeah a picture framed on his uh um above his door that said "Nice guys finish last," and uh, he was a he was a tough guy, but I just uh, we just got along. Um, I don't know, maybe. I love it. <laughs> um, Steve Porianta, he passed away too. Um, he was the one that was a little on the young side, but uh, uh, no, you know what? People that had his class really liked him. I remember talking about that. Everyone else thought he was a uh, he was a bit of a hard ass. Yeah, um, I think the hard ass teachers are always the ones that you end up remembering and cherishing the most later on in life. They push you harder, you know. They push you to do something that maybe you, as a kid you don't want to do. Kim, mm-hmm. do you have do you have one teacher you want yeah, to give a shout out to? Totally, and and I think in the same vein. I mean, um, I. One's definitely still alive, knock on wood. The other one, I actually don't know what he's up to. I hope he's still alive, uh, knock on wood and kicking. But um, the fir- there's two teachers that come to mind for me instantly. And both of them were the more hard-ass people, but still very jovial, still very funny, cracked jokes, made me laugh all the time. One of them was my uh, anatomy teacher, Mr. Pestrak. I, if you can believe it, was in a science and technology middle school. And then went on and did a pre-medicine magnet program in high school. And so Mr. Pestrak was one of those guys who, you know, he saw me trying, but saw me struggling and was just like, yo, you know this stuff, Kim, what are you doing? So I really always appreciated his guidance and uh, making me love science in a way. I never actually, as you can tell, pursued anything in science, but uh I still have a love for it and an appreciation for it in part to, uh, because of him. And then the second person I want to think of and thank if she ever listens to this podcast is Mrs. Kissel, who's kind of like an aunt for me. She is. Oh, she was that teacher in high school who was brutally, you know, you know, whipped you with her tongue, her wit, you know, cracked the whip and tried to get you to be your best self. Didn't take any excuses. And ultimately, you know, we're friends on Facebook. I, you know, I visited with her. She is like a mother to my best friend. 
And I think honestly, she's like a mother to all of her students. And I know so many people who uh, are doctors today because oh, of wow. her and nurses and in the medical That's profession so cool. and probably are saving our l- damn lives right now against this pandemic, which is so incredible. Um, but I love this question, Michelle. Who do you got? Do you have somebody in mind? Yeah, I loved science as a kid. Like as a as a little kid, I loved it. And um, I had a teacher probably, I think she must have been from like fourth grade to eighth grade and she taught science and all kinds of science. And I thought she was the coolest. Uh, her name was Miss Lisa Wished. And um, I think she has a different name now. I think it's Croyle. But to me, she's always miswished. And she not only was our science teacher, she was also our PE teacher. So oh, wow. she looked like she could be an astronaut. Like she was so cool and she did not suffer fools. And I I just thought she was really cool to have like a science teacher that was a woman. And, and mm-hmm. she was so encouraging to all of us in the class, whether we were a boy or girl. And she says, she said something that I like in my young mind, I still remember. She was like, always give credit where credit is due, which I think is a very mm-hmm. scientific thing to say, but I think it applies to all facets of life. But I think back of how much I loved her class and all the things I learned and how supportive she was. And in a way, I wish I would have, you know, stuck with, with science or even, even math. Cause I always felt encouraged going to her class. Like That's I could so do anything. I could do anything. I don't know that I could hurdle through space like Sandra Bullock and gravity <laughs> or but, fly rockets like or fly rockets rudy, like rudy but, but if i wanted to i feel like she miss wished was the teacher who would who would tell me i could do it and don't give up speaking of speaking Ooh. of giving credit where credit's due you know i all the teachers i've had were you know all part of uh just not my journey but uh uh everyone else yes. you know a lot of other people's journeys and uh, i uh, tons of names are coming to me right now and uh we could make this go on for another hour. But, Isn't it uh, incredible? Um, yeah. I yeah. know. <laughs> There's a lot of credit to pass around. We love teachers. you, teachers. Be Thank nice you, to teachers. your teachers, especially yeah. now. They're trying to figure out some of this technology they they're never They're trying to teach before. your dumb ass via Zoom. <laughs> not getting paid enough. Look, they're not getting, not paid, getting enough paid enough to teach enough. your ass via Zoom. Just uh, turn do your something, dang Do something on. nice for a teacher. You, exactly. You know, Pay buy attention. Some, Buy some stamps, support the your local post office, write a handwritten letter to your teacher mm. to say thank you so much because look at all you've done for That's me. a good way of doing two, two and good things And thank you at for once. letting me keep my webcam off. Yeah, two good <laughs> things at once. That's right. That's right. Um, Rudy, this has been such a fun awesome conversation with you. I hope you've had as much fun yeah, as it's been I a lot had of fun. and Michelle we have oh, been laughing we had our a blast. Off. We could ask you more and more questions and all kinds of stuff. Game. But uh, we won't keep you very long. Is Do you want to – is there like a – I don't know. You got a, like a rocket man's, uh, you know, <laughs> wise words that you could wish to the people? Oh, I like giving credit where Sorry credit to put is you in the due. Hot seat. No pressure. Um, Jeez, Kim. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, we got to be on our toes. This is, that uh, is all right. You know, there's space debris coming at me, and uh, that's how we got to deal with it. Um, I I just like giving credit where credits due. I like that one. We we that's um, that was Michelle's that teacher, too. and uh, um, yeah, takes a village. It's uh, takes a lot of people. It does. 
It does. It does. Thanks, Rudy. Yeah. This was fun. Definitely for me, too. Thanks for having me. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. With original music by the talented Edith Mudge. Artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock. And produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. Bye now.